the writer of Hebrews poses a question that we should all really consider, and it's in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How? And this is written to Christians. It's not written to unbelievers. It's a question that is posed to us as believers. How shall we escape if we shall neglect so great a salvation? And last week, I, I spoke about the importance of conviction. And, you know, sometimes we get a little afraid of conviction or a little wary of conviction, but conviction is a good thing. It's, it's God's warning system that, hey, this, this isn't right. You know, there's something wrong. You know, turn back, turn away from what you're doing. And the response to conviction, the right response to conviction is repentance. So last week, we talked about those two, two spiritual functions that you really can't take out of salvation. They, they must be part of the process of salvation. You know, without conviction, we won't feel like there's any need to turn from our sins. And that's why God, why the Holy Spirit places conviction in our life, so that we will turn from our sins and we'll turn to Jesus by faith. You know, John 3, 16, probably the most recognized, most popular, most familiar Bible verse in the world. But John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, this is interesting because Sometimes we isolate that verse and it's popular, it's familiar, but we kind of forget the context of that verse. You know, where was that verse shared and who was it shared to? And what it was, it was a conversation that Jesus was having with a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was part of the, the Sanhedrin, which was part of the re religious ruling society of, of Jerusalem. And so this is the conversation that, that where this verse falls at. And I'm going to read the whole thing. Just hang with me here. But it kind of gives us some context of this verse says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, You are a teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Verse 13, no one who has ascended to heaven, but him who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man also be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the, what, that the world through him might be saved. Now, this is what I found out through the years of, of being in ministry is, as Christians, we often like to cherry-pick parts of the Bible. 
what we want to believe and what we don't want to believe. And this, this verse here in this story is a wonderful example. I'm going to show you why here in just a moment. And, you know, when you, when you cherry-pick something, if you're not familiar with that term, you're basically taking something that is the most beneficial, and you're going to kind of leave the rest. Uh, when, I, when I was younger, when I graduated from high school, I, play, I, worked, I worked in a grocery store, a neighborhood grocery store, and it was a small one. It was an IGA, and uh, I was out on the, uh, in one of the aisles with the owner. We were talking, and this, this lady comes up, and she's like, uh, excuse me, uh, do you have this item? It was a sale item, and unfortunately, we had sold out. So we said, no, we're sorry, we sold out of that. We can give you a rain check, and you, of course, you give them a rain check. You write it out back in those days, and when you restock that item, they can come in by that, that item at the sell price. She wasn't real happy about it. We were out, but that's what we did, and she, she accepted the rain check. And I remember this, that as, as she walks away, uh, my boss was a little, little perturbed. He was a little, little irritated. He goes, did you, did you look inside her grocery cart? No, I didn't look inside of her grocery cart. And he goes, she had nothing but sale items. And, you know, it didn't take me long to figure out that when you work at a grocery store, the sale items, you don't make money off the sale items, do you? There's sometimes they don't even, you actually lose money on those items. And he goes, she's just coming in here and cherry picking the sale items. And again, if, 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 if your customers come in and that's all they're doing is buying sale items, you're not going to make a whole lot of money that way. So I understood his frustration now. But we do the same thing when it comes to biblical truth. And this story here, uh, this, this conversation that, that Jesus has with Nicodemus is a wonderful example. See, Jesus shared these words with Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We say yes and amen to that. But Jesus also said this same conversation, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Do not marvel that I have said to you, you must be born again. So Nicodemus, again, doesn't come to Jesus not believing. Jesus doesn't have to convince Nicodemus of who he is. Remember, Nicodemus said this, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. No one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus didn't have a believing problem. What happened with, in the, the situation of Nicodemus is he's not born again. And you know, church, that's where a lot of us are today. A lot of people in our community, upwards to 80% of people in our community, believe in Jesus. You go to Brown's Grocery, you go to Dollar General, hey, ask 10 people, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Eight out of 10 will tell you, I believe in Jesus, I believe the Bible, I believe all that stuff. But how many of those people are born again? That's the real question. And well, so what is it meant when, when someone says born again? What's, what's that term even mean? There were several hundred years before Jesus was born, the prophet Ezekiel, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words concerning a day that, that we can experience today, this wonderful promise of new birth. And he alludes to this, and this is how he describes it in Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. So when we experience new birth, the Holy Spirit comes to reside within us, but he changes us. He changes who we are on the inside. And because we are changed, we can then live a Christian life. If you've ever tried to live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit it becomes very difficult, very frustrating. 
very religious, very dry, very monotonous. You can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. And many people try to do this. I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm just going to work my way through it. And it, it never fails. It just becomes too difficult. And what you do is you abandon the narrow path and you look for a different path. See, unless the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, changes us, gives us a new nature, we'll continue to live according to our old sinful desires. Listen to what Paul writes to the church of Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Church, when did this happen for you? When did this happen for you? When did you become a new creation in Christ? When did old things pass away? And when did all things become new? When did the Holy Spirit make you a new creation? From, from the womb, each and every one of us are born sinners. But when we experience new birth, we are birthed into the family of God by the Holy Spirit. When you came to Jesus by faith, did you experience new birth? When did the Holy Spirit come to reside within you? When did he make you a new creation? And when did you start beginning living that newness of life? You know, if 80% of our community was truly born again, I don't think we would have some of the problems that we have. If 80% were truly born again, and we're not talking about perfectionism or anything like that, but if 80% of our community was truly born again, I think we would have a lower crime rate. I think maybe the divorce rate would be lower. I believe the addiction rate would be lower. I mean, we can just keep going down the list. There should be a change if people are new, if they're a new creation. Jesus said these words to those who follow him. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, how can you do that with old flesh? How can you do that unless you are born again? The answer is this. It's impossible because we're not saved by works. We can't work our way to heaven. We'll never be able to do it. We cannot obey the commandments of Jesus unless we are born again. If it were possible to obey the commands of Jesus without the help of the Holy Spirit, there'd be no reason for us to be born again. But we cannot obey the commands of Jesus without experiencing new birth. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I truly believe that 80% of our community genuinely believes in Jesus. I really do. I don't believe that 80% are born again. And the reason for that, the proof's in the pudding. The proof of new birth, newness of life is lived out. It's example, it's modeled for us. Just look at behavior, look at attitudes. Jesus said this in, in Matthew chapter uh, 7, verse 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And in verse 30, or 20, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Now, Jesus didn't say we are recognized by our belief. We are recognized as his followers by our fruit, by what we do, how we live our lives. If our heart has been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God has made us a new creation, our lives should reflect that experience. Jesus is, is teaching this to people who have followed him. He's preaching this sermon. He's sharing this truth with them. And he says this in verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are what? Many, many who go in by it. 
Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And if you try to live for God, even if you are born again with the help of the Holy Spirit, it is difficult. If anyone ever tells you becoming a Christian, living a Christian life is easy, they're lying to you. So most people are on a broad path leading to destruction. And the reason why it's difficult to live a Christian life is because it goes against our flesh. It goes contrary to our flesh. And that's why we have to have a heart change, a nature change. It makes it easier. Many of those who are on the broad path leading to destruction will believe they were on the narrow path. Hey, I was going the right way. I, I believed in Jesus. I believe John three sixteen, And I believe Jesus will speak to an element of people that are on the broad path. And this is what he says in, in Matthew 7, 22. Lord, Lord, or this is what they would say as they are standing before him being judged. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? But he will reply in verse 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, that is a sad and sobering idea or thought right there. You know, I, anytime it comes to hell, the consequences of sin, I get no pleasure in preaching about it because I was a sinner and I didn't, get, I didn't receive Christ later in life. And today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus lived, he died, he rose again, and he lives forevermore. Newness of life. And the resurrection is central to our faith. It, it gives us assurance that one day we are going to experience our own resurrection. And I don't know about you, as I get older, I cannot wait for a new body one day. You know, I got out of bed the other day, I thought, I've never felt that before. I didn't know I had that pain there. You know, I, I used to sleep really good. I don't sleep as well as I used to. What, I said, what's going on with this? And Jenny told me, you know, there's an AARP commercial on. It says for people who are 50 and older, I said, watch your mouth. Resurrection power, though. Resurrection power. But it's more than what takes place in the future. See, we can experience resurrection power here today. Here's what I mean. Listen to what Paul writes, Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, look at this, church, even so we also walk in newness of life. Because we identify with the life, death, burial, and resurrection, but we should also identify with that new life as well. We receive the Holy Spirit. He transforms us and empowers us to walk in that newness of life. Paul goes on to say this in verse, or chapter 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will also, excuse me, he who dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So when we experience new birth, the, the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, as Jesus is in that tomb, and listen, he's not in a catatonic state, he's not just kind of hanging, no, he's dead, he is dead. And so when the Holy Spirit comes into that tomb, raises his body, that same resurrection power we can have in our lives today, not just in the future when we, we will all also experience our own resurrection, but we can have this resurrection power working in our lives. If you're born again, you have resurrection power inside of you. The same Spirit who empowered Jesus to live a newness of life, he empowers you and I to live a newness of life. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Otherwise, you will not see the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus didn't offer this as a suggestion. This is a command. This is, this is, and this is not opinion. This is not interpretation of Scripture. Those are his words. You must be born born again. 
It's not an option. Some people don't know what new birth is. Or maybe they'll think this. New birth is just believing. I, I come to new belief. For example, I, I once I didn't believe in Jesus, but now I believe in Jesus, and that's new birth. But that isn't new birth. See, new birth is a change of nature, a change of heart, a change of desires. There's too much cherry-picking that goes on in regards to salvation, and it will lead us to neglecting so great a salvation. We have a community full of people who are like Nicodemus. They believe, they're religious, they have traditions, but they aren't born again. There are people who have neglected this promise of new birth. They've made salvation nothing more than just comprehension. This is how a lot of us handle, and within a lot of churches in our community as well. This is how we handle salvation today. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Check yes or no. Do you believe Jesus was the Son of God? Check yes or no. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Check yes or no. Do you believe that Jesus is our only hope for salvation? Check yes or no. Will you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Check yes or no. You said yes to all those questions. Pray this prayer with me and you are in. Now, church, where's conviction? See, unless you know you're a sinner and you've sinned and you know you're guilty before God, there's no need to turn and repent. So therefore, we, we also just skip the next one. We don't repent. Well, I just believe. I don't repent. Belief is not repentance. Repentance is a change of heart, mind, and direction. Paul asked this question of the disciples in Ephesus in Acts 19.2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? We should ask ourselves the same question, honestly. Did we receive the Holy Spirit when we believed? See, we should know when we receive the Holy Spirit. It's not a mystery. It's not like something that's mystical and magical we don't feel or, or we don't know, we don't understand. We know when we're born again. Only you can answer that. I can't answer that for you. No preacher can. Only you can answer that question for yourself. So how do we know that we have received the Holy Spirit? How do we know that we're born again? I mentioned this verse earlier. I'm going to go back to it. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, where the Spirit is, there is life. And if the Spirit of God dwells in you, the life of Christ is within you. When the Holy Spirit moves into your life with resurrection power, old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. You know, I encountered the resurrection power of Jesus when I was 21 years old. Like I said, I, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, I didn't know the, the difference between Job and Job and Malachi and Malachi. You asked me to name the disciples, I probably would put Jonah in there or someone like that. I, I, had, I had no reference. And I didn't know anything about Christianity, but I did know this. I knew how to be a sinner. Did a pretty good job at that. And I remember when I encountered Jesus, I did so out of conviction. Because something inside of me, something was tugging at me. Something kept telling me there's more to life than just living life on my own terms. And my mother had recently gotten saved. She would rededicated her life to Christ. She started praying for me. Listen, if you've got a praying mom or a grandma, your days are numbered. I remember one night, <clears throat> it was after work, and like I said, I was 21 years old. I was going to go meet with some friends at a bar, drive to the bar, pull up to the front, get ready to go inside, had conviction hit me. I'm like, I, I don't want to go in there. I, I, I can't go inside there. If I go in there, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink a lot. I'm not going to do it. Mom keeps asking me to go to church. 
something inside of me just like, you know, I, need, I just need to take her up on that. Drove back home, called my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, said, hey, Jenny, I'm going to go to church with mom tomorrow. You want to go? She goes, sure. I, I was hoping she'd say no. But she said yes. I was like, all right, well, I'm in. So I go to church, and it's a great service. And I'd love to say that I got saved that morning, but I didn't. In fact, my mom asked me, she goes, uh, do you enjoy church? How do you like it? I said, you go to a cult. I'm never going back. I, I doubt that I ever go back, Mom. Next Sunday, I was back with her because something was working inside of me. Never say never, right? See, the Holy Spirit had gotten his meat hooks into me already. It was too late. I was dead inside, and I knew I was dead inside, but when I walked in that church, there was life in there. There was something different in there. It wasn't because the songs or how, nothing, just the Spirit of God was in there. And the Spirit of God moved on my life. On the outside, I told my mom this. I thought her church was crazy, but on the inside, I knew there was something more at that moment. I knew there was something more. I'd felt something in my heart. You know what I felt? I felt life. I felt life. I ended up going to church the next Sunday with her. Started going on Sunday nights. And I kept this up for about two months. And one Sunday after church, I came home, went to my bedroom, closed the door, repented of my sins, surrendered my life to Jesus. I was a sinner. I needed to be saved. Couldn't resist the Holy Spirit anymore. And I remember this. I remember kneeling there and praying and saying, God, if, if you could use somebody like me, then however you want to use me, if you can save someone like me, then the rest of my life I'll do whatever you call me to do. And that's how I ended up here. I, being a preacher was not on my list. If you said, all right, 30 years ago, take me back 30 years ago, and say, in 30 years you're going to be one of these two things. You are going to be an astronaut or a preacher. I said, are we going to Mars? I'm not kidding you. I've shared this before. Uh, when I was in high school, I would not stand in front of people. When we had our, our composition class, we'd have to read. I would take an F because I was just so shy and embarrassed to stand in front of people. The only regret that I have, the only regret that I have about the whole entire process of giving my life to Jesus, God calling me into ministry is this, that I didn't do it earlier. But I didn't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit sooner. And I can just remember this. The first time stepping in that building, I felt life. New life. I was dead inside, but I'd come into contact with life. And this is one of my first reactions I had. Um, I, had a, I had a lot of uh, rock and metal posters on my wall. I instantly looked around in my bedroom. I was like, I took them all down. Took everything I felt like symbolized the old me. Put them in the back of my truck. Took them to the grocery store that I worked at. Threw it all in the dumpster. Now you say, why did you do that? Because your pastor told you to? Nope, didn't preach one message. My mom told me that? Nope, never told me one time. I simply was born again, and I had conviction in my life. I had new life within me. The old me had passed away. And I'm not going to tell you that everything was rosy, because it wasn't. The friends that I had, they weren't friends anymore. They didn't want nothing to do with, with Christian Jay. The old, my old friends didn't like the new me. But I had this experience, and I think this experience... I could really identify with it. In Romans 6, 4, again, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. See, have you believed on Jesus? And if so, that's fantastic. But have you experienced new birth? Are you born again? Only you can answer that question. I can't answer it for you. 
And if Jesus can save me, he can save anyone. If the Holy Spirit can live in this vessel, he can live in any vessel. If the Holy Spirit can change me, and he continues to change me, because I have not arrived, I am far from perfect. Like I said, you put me on the road, I drive poorly. And if you're not born again, you are susceptible to that power of the flesh. You are bound by it. You, are at some, you could try to push against it, you could try to resist it, but at some point, you're going to fall right back into the flesh. That's why you must be born again. When did this happen for you? When did you experience new birth? Would you be honest with God and yourself this morning? Did you experience new life when the Holy Spirit came into your life? When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, did you experience new life?